The stage is set for the national championship game with the Georgia Bulldogs taking on the TCU Horned Frogs, the Super Toads. Both had a unique journey to get here, but we are finally here. As always, I'm Cheeto, and with me is Keegan, and welcome back to another episode of Dogs Off the Leash. So outside of the UGA fan base and outside of the players and coaches in this building, UGA is about to attempt to pull off something that no one thought was possible or has seen in a few years since Alabama did it back in, I want to say it was 11 and 12 or 10 and 11. It, that is back-to-back national champions. Alabama and Ohio State were favored coming into the season, but now it's just TCU and now it's UGA. Keegan, making it back here has been has been a whirlwind. It's been a roller coaster. What are your thoughts or what do you really give a lot of credit to for us getting back here with all the draft picks that we lost, with all the adversity that we've had this season? Well, I got to start with the senior leadership and just the overall direction and leadership of Kirby for this program. Like, even if we were to have a quote off year and the way he's built things up, I still expect there just to be a mentality, a certain amount of drive for what we're trying to do. And things have played out in a way to where, you know, our attrition is not getting the best of us. And we are year to year looking like we're going to have some form of senior leadership was just with, which is just an variable aspect of any really successful team that you got to have. If you're a very youthful team, it's going to limit you in a year that's supposed to be kind of a rebuilding year. We've done a great job capitalizing on a somewhat easy schedule and really coming up big in the big moments, be it, you know, against Tennessee, or an Ohio State team that was more built to capitalize against some of our weaknesses and just had the offenses to potentially outgas us. So we've done well. I think it's a little bit of luck from, you know, let's say we played uh, Alabama this year and Clemson this year, like mm-hmm. we did last year, mm-hmm. okay? Or, or just any combination of teams that we could play year to year. Let's say it was Texas that we played this year. You know, they had a pretty good offense. So – uh, overall, you know, I think like we had an easier schedule, but then we, you know, luck struck back at us when we ended up playing Ohio State and we saw what a great team, you know, a top three national kind of team all year could do. Talented. When, yes. When they're on their shit, when they're on their game. So we've been able to survive the storm and we've done a good job week to week getting better in the areas where we did have deficiencies to start the season. So overall, just credit to Kirby, and you know we need you got to have a little bit of luck. But at the end of the day, uh, we it's about capitalizing, and Georgia has done that. So I'm excited for this opportunity, and it's a big deal. Um, you know, like you said, there's not too many teams that have done the back to back thing, but I, I think you know you have to look at it in respect to this season, and even though you know when you take a historical lens and take a step back, you're like, 
you can appreciate the back-to-back, but it does no good preparing for a TCU team that has consistently taken advantage of opponents throughout the season, including a really solid physical Michigan team when they're overlooked. So uh, back-to-back, back-to, you know, all all the good things that you want to talk about in a historical moment and appreciate, we all should, but it's about a great opponent that, you know, has a hard-nosed uh, a hard-nosed team all around and just a lot of resiliency. And, you, you know, we're listening to a lot of pressers and hearing people talk and Kirby himself, you know, just compares a lot of the, uh, you know, similarities between the two styles and our ability to to overcome and their ability to overcome. And you mentioned two things there, which I wanted to go in depth with as far as the journey for both teams to get here, right? And when it comes to this stage or getting this far in the season, it does take some luck. And going back to UGA, Ohio State, how many plays, I mean, literally, how many plays can you count that were the difference in the game? The Kirby timeout, the hit in the back of the end zone on Marvin Harrison, the uh, the Brock, the Brock Bowers play to where he barely makes that first down, the missed field goal, two of our made or two of our missed field goals, but the one that we made uh, football at this level really comes down to a handful of plays. And then with TCU, they, you know, we'll get into the Cinderella story that was, you know, they were five and seven last year versus this year. They start off Michigan, two pick sixes in that game, two red zone stops, one right at the goal line when Michigan fumbles the ball. That is 28 points. Michigan left on the board and still only lost by six. So to where they played a great game, can't take anything away from them. You, you got to point those things out like that 28 points. Two pick sixes, any team at any level of football, you have two pick sixes, you're probably going to lose that game. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, that's that's football. It's a handful of plays that make the difference. So, um, we didn't play our best against Ohio State, but we found a way to win. And, if anything, we are a resilient bunch this year, which it sucks if you have, like, long fingernails. But, you know, for getting the dub, like, sometimes that's what it takes. And Stetson and this young defense, they have been resilient. They make plays, timely plays. Um, but the same can be said about TCU. So it's going to be a great matchup. And, and Keegan, I'll allow you to hop into what you what you expect from TCU or what you've seen up to this year and what Georgia fans can expect going into this national championship game. Well, you know, just like for Georgia, we got to look at Kirby and kind of where he's led this program. You got to look at what Sonny Dykes has been able to do and just taking an, a deep examination of his career, you know, for Sonny, it's not always been sunshine and roses to play off his name. It's, it's been a little, uh, you know, there's been adversity. There's been times where he didn't do so well, you know, he ended up being fired from Cal after having some success with Jared Goff uh, in that tenure. He, you know, he's taken some, uh, some long as a coach. Yes. But he's also, you know, uh, he, you know, he's the son of Spike Dykes, who's the second most winning coach in Texas Tech history behind Mike Leach, who he was a protege of mm, himself. Principles, yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of, he's, he's got that kind of uh flavor to his, to his uh, credibility. And he's also just a great offensive mind. Someone who has a history of year to year, uh, developing, you know, he started as, uh, let's just kind of go d- down the little cookie trail. So, you know, started off really uh, being an expert in developing receivers. 
So, you know, he was a great receivers coach until Mike Leach said, hey, you're co-offensive coordinator material until he eventually became the offensive coordinator. And just uh, in tandem with Mike Leach had a history of, you know, great comebacks for one throughout his, his tenure at Texas Tech, huge offensive performances. And really, you know, that's one of the steadfast things throughout his career where he really failed when he became a head coach was like he really hired terribly at first. He did a, a pretty poor job of getting his defense anywhere, uh, getting the right personnel, getting the right recruits and defense. And that really held him back until he eventually landed to SMU, right. not a, a team only 45 minutes from TCU. Uh, which had some local controversy. If you read into the stories, he actually had to move his family oh, no. a little bit further down the road just to uh, clear some drama. But overall, he did a, an amazing job at SMU, had all the right hires, got the defense click, and his offensive brand was on point. Is that where him and Lincoln Riley's little brother met at S SMU? Was that where that happened? You know, that might have been. Uh, I, I did not dig that deep, but that would make that would make sense. Okay. So. So overall, though, you know, he really put it all together by the time he was a coach at SMU. I mean, this is someone who was the son of a head coach and all yeah. his cumulative experience really came to shine at SMU, had a great thing going. And then, you know, TCU is looking to replace Gary Patterson, Patterson yeah. their coach that has a you know statue outside the stadium. He was there for 25 years. The one that Kirby played, that's the one he was coached when we played them in 16 Liberty Bowl, I think it is. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And uh and, and, you know, very similar to, you know, UGA, there's a lot of comparisons to be made. But, for sure. you know, Gary kind of built up the program in a way that kind of like Mark Rick did Absolutely. when he did it off. And even though things weren't really so hot in his last few years, which is why he had the departure that he did, at the end of the day, he had his best recruiting classes, you know, although they they don't stack up necessarily uh, on, on some of the overall blue chip numbers, but – some of the guys that we're going to talk about today were people that Gary Patterson made sure to get and recruit, setting the stage for an experienced TCU team that just needed some pieces and uh, a spark on offense, and they got that. And then, you know, they instilled a defense that's going to work for an undersized defense, which is the three-three-five, bringing in a schematic that really favors their, uh, you know, not necessarily the most sizable D-line or, the bullish uh, kind of players, but really a lot of athleticism and speed. So really bringing in a complimentary defensive style to ca cap off what we have been able to witness this year and a, a team that has led and comeback wins with six and uh, also characterized by just a hard-nosed, hard-fighting quarterback in Max Duggan. So this team, uh, you know, has a lot of grit, starting from their head coach who – you know, had to take his lumps to kind of wisen up. And a TCU team that, you know, really didn't do so hot despite Gary Patterson's uh, hype bringing in, you know, the best uh, recruiting class of his tenure. So a lot of these guys are hardened warriors. They're, they're you know, very competitive. Uh, and, you know, they make plays on the ball. So at the end of the day, you know, we can – if we get lost in uh, recruiting – you know, standings and all these kind of things, you know, it has some importance, but if your recruits aren't making plays on the ball, all that bears of no value. So TCU is just a really like solid team. 
to be respected and their resilience and, you know, hardened leadership is really what has them in a position to do something historic for their program. I don't think they've ever won a national title. So that's who we're, that's who we're uh, facing down the barrel and, you know, Georgia, Georgia boys get ready. Let's uh, not overlook a great team. And I, I love the, I love the comparisons that you draw from TCU to Georgia, because if you, if you're paying attention, most Georgia fans obviously pay a little bit more attention to the Georgia side, but this TCU team has a lot of eerie similarities. And I want to um, talk about that and then hop into the defense and break down the offense and defense of what we're expecting to see uh, some formations and players. So like you mentioned, uh, Sony Dykes had the stand at SMU. I'm not sure the details of what happened there, but I, I did not know that tidbit of information. But what I looked up was that I didn't realize that their offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, was the younger brother of Lincoln Riley. And we all know Lincoln Riley and his ties um, and his football journey and <laughs> kind of what he's doing now. But as, as you know, both of them are offensive minds. So I think that says a lot about the success of, of TCU because they are uh, six in points this year. And you mentioned Mac Doug and we'll get into him, but it's going to be, it's going to be a battle of Sony Dykes and um, Riley versus Kirby and Muschamp. Same similar path. Kirby is the son of a, a former head coach and has worked his way up LSU, Alabama, now at Georgia. Muschamp has been a head coach as well. So I'll take those two, but you have defensive minded coaches versus what seems to be offensive-minded coaches in the air raid, and then again, the Riley brother. But I want to talk about this TCU defense first because I think that's where this game really is going to be won or lost. TCU runs a 3-3-5 defense, and for those of you who may not know what that means um, in depth, you're, what you're going to expect out of that is three down linemen, defensive linemen, three linebackers, and then essentially five defensive backs. And you can do that you can do a dime kind of mix there, nickel type packages, but more DBs. And the purpose of that is to put more speed on the field, a lot of confusion in your coverages and in your blitzes. So with a, a young quarterback, you can give them so many looks and they're just speed all over the field. Your zones are absolutely nuts because you have so many um, potential people dropping back in coverage, whether it's one, one linebacker or two linebackers to give you uh, seven or six or eight in coverage, whatever have you. However, I did a little bit of homework on the history of the 3-3-5 defense. And if you look at its roots, uh, I told you about the pros and the positives that it brings. It does have its weaknesses. Now, what are those weaknesses? The things that are going to exploit a 3-3-5 is a heavy run game and elite tight end play. And as I say that, I think every, every Georgia fan should salivate to that. Because although we've we've gotten to this point to where our offense is multiple and versatile and we can throw it all over the yard, deep vertical, screen game, all that stuff, we have the ability, the offensive line and the tight ends to absolutely expose TCU's defense. Not that it's going to be easy, but we can. And to me, that makes Darnell Washington the absolute key to this game. If he is healthy enough to go and we can come out in our 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, and have that extra blocker, a 6'7", 280-pound blocker who can also catch the ball, a LeBron James, essentially. We, we can exploit them. We can really control the clock, control possession, not turn the ball over the same way Michigan did. So I think I saw somebody report that Darnell Washington was good to go. I cannot confirm that yet, so I don't want to, but that is going to be huge. And then also turnovers. I mentioned, I mentioned earlier, and I'll mention again, two pick sixes 
in a game at this stage, you're going to lose, you're going to lose that game. So if Stetson can be consistent from the first quarter to the fourth quarter, we have a very good chance at this game because overall the talent will show itself. Um, Keegan, did you, did you have, what are your, what are your thoughts on the three, three, five versus, you know, a traditional defense four, three, three, four, which is what we run now. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, if if you're running a three three five defense because you're trying to account for some kind of deficiency, obviously that's not good. Right. But if if you can run it at a high clip, it can be really hard to stop. And I honestly think that. Why do you think TCU's running it then for the former or the latter there? Uh, I would say the latter overall. Uh, I think it just has to go down to coaching philosophy, and uh, I think it's Gillespie, the defensive coordinator. I think that's just what he likes to run. Okay. You know, someone like, you know, we don't see it a lot throughout the season. But so. we have recently. In the past two seasons, we've seen it twice in Arkansas and Mississippi State. Okay. Which, which bodes well for us. I, I wanted to look in that and be for sure. So we've exploited it before. You remember what we did Arkansas last year? Embarrassed yeah. him in Athens. And then we put it we put it on Mississippi State this year. So we do have familiarity with it. Okay. And I know that, like, Derek Mason has been running it, too, at Vandy. And, uh you know, it, it just kind of comes down to – it's like the triple option, for instance. It's like if you run it flawlessly, it's almost impossible to stop. But if it's sloppy or you're not getting a push off the line, it's all it's all blown up from there. Absolutely. Execution is what this is all going to come down to. No one's going to get confused by the schemes. Both teams are going to have a, a good film session all throughout the week, but it's going to be execution, which, again, why Darnell Washington is huge. If I, he plays. I agree. I agree. And I, what they will probably do to offset that is bring a couple more guys. The thing about the three, three, five that you like is the malleability, the adaptability. Yes. Versatility. Yeah. So you don't necessarily just stay in that stack. You can bring a guy down to be a D lineman. You can shift down, you can shift over. You can, you can kind of create shifts that for one easy to, to disguise. So if you're trying to read it off the line, it's harder for two, you know, if you're in a two tight end set, that's when you can bring eight guys into the box. So it's it can be problematic, but I think that, you know, Georgia overall has an advantage off the line. And as long as we don't get as cute as Michigan got and are patient in our offense, we can really use that advantage. But, uh, you know, it's it's not going to matter if we can't, to, to me, take advantage of play action because that if building that play action is where we can neutralize their numbers. Absolutely. If we, if we can get some of these extra – secondary dudes to buy it all mm. that's, that's where we can really have an impact and like you said tight ends elite uh, tight end play yes sir yeah, elite tight end play is going to be huge for us and it's a weakness but overall the 335 just is susceptible to seam balls you know balls over the seam which is what georgia the last few games stetson in particular we saw a beautiful one to Karis jackson against the blitz sitting in the pocket bro he's been pristine he's been pristine on those throws yeah, so, you know, we're going to need all of Stetson's discipline, no boneheaded throws, because, you know, TCU has shown a, an elite, elite ability to, you know, play off the ball, make plays on the ball, and I think that that's where we're really going to be uh, reliant on the ability of Stetson to have a clean game. But, yeah, I think Georgia has a, a major advantage with our line of scrimmage, but we just need to make sure that, you know, we uh, – we win we win there because overall if this is a seven on seven battle and we're playing in in half shells in the summer it's a toss-up tcu is yeah. a great team they got a heisman contending 
uh, quarterback and a, a super physical um, wide receiver in Quentin Johnson. So. And before we hop on to Quentin and that other side of the ball, I also wanted to mention a, a big reason that secondary has been so successful is a for those of you who used to play NCAA or just know your football history and remember Ladan- Ladanian Tomlinson, who was a TCU great in his own right, his nephew, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, this year's Thorpe Award winner has been a monster back there in that secondary for them. I can't speak on a whole lot of their defenders being elite, but not only is this last this last this guy's last name Tomlinson, but he plays like he's one too. He's been all over the field. The percentage of completions against wide receivers against him is very low. So again, Stetson's gonna have to have some discipline on when to make throws or when to again three three five. You can make plays with your legs. So expect him to hopefully Munkins in his ear, like, bro, take sometimes take a sack or go for a scramble. Like, don't be tossing it up like that. We can't have turnovers here. A clean game is a game that UGA wins. But um, let's hop over to the other side to where UGA is going to be on defense and TCU is going to be on offense. We mentioned Max Duggan, who finished second, second in the Heisman, ahead of CJ Stroud and ahead of Stetson Bennett, which hopefully he plays with a chip on his shoulder. But Quinton Johnson, a thousand yard receiver for them prototypical NFL wide receiver, 6'4". UGA's defense is going to have their hands full. A lot of people are saying draft prospects or draft um, analysts are saying he's going to go ninth or 10th overall as the first wide receiver off the board. So, um, Keegan, what do you know about him, and what are we going to have to do, or what is Keely Ringo going to have to do in order to make this a true first-round draft pick matchup between quarterback and wide receiver of TCU? Hey, I'm looking forward to it, but overall, I don't think that that's where we want to rely. We want to be able to affect the passing game with some pressure. Like CJ Stroud had way too much time to find the guys. And honestly, when you're doing that scramble drill, that's where like dudes like we got roasted on, you know, he's, he is known for Moss and players. He's a dangerous combination of a six foot four physical wide receiver with four, four speed. So you just, you don't get that combination often. You know, dudes like Julio Jones uh, have and A.J. Brown and some of these more physical, fast wide receivers have, have made, you know, a, a brand, and that's their bread and butter. And he's he's cut from that cloth, if not, you know, maybe maybe even a more deadly combination. Tom will tell. We'll see what he's looking like in the NFL. But he's a he's a specimen. He's made a lot of plays. And, you know, he, he started off as a freshman making a ton of catches. The dude is just way too fast, way too strong to 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 be in a to put yourself in a position where you're just relying on one-on-one battles. I think it's going to be a great matchup. Keeley's going to have his hands full, but overall we want to we want to neutralize them with just making Max Duggan as uncomfortable as possible and you know hopefully just you know throwing off time and chipping him and you know getting some help overall but just you know I don't think we want to be in a position where we're con- consi- you know consistently relying on the defense to out uh out Quentin Johnson Quentin Johnson he's he's quite a specimen he's to be respected and he's you know like you said one of the top uh prospects in this year's draft as a receiver uh assuming that he does go so that that is kind of like what we're looking forward to with him and I think it just comes down to you know hey we've been a bend but not break but the defense needs to have game breaker plays like the last two games we've given up way too much in yards and spacing and just looked a little bit overall soft. We have to find a way 
to get creative with our blitzing and uh, really just impact Max Duggan. So that's, that's, I think the biggest focus, I think for me, if I'm in the defensive coordinator room for Georgia this week, I, I second that I second that fully and looking at TCU's offense, Quentin Johnson is going to be an issue. They have other wide receivers. Don't want to neglect those guys, but the way that they do damage, especially the wide receivers, which I think bodes well for Georgia, they're not so much of a vertical threat as CJ Stroud sits in the pocket and likes to just pick apart a defense. You saw in the Ohio state game, I don't know how many times they ran deep crosses and just hit us with, they found one route Ryan day and his offensive team really schemed against us. They found one route that they could exploit UGA, which says a lot of good against us because we stopped the deep stuff, but they hit the deep, the deep cross, right? TCU, they like to give their wide receivers short route, mid range balls, and then have them uh, break tackles or elude tackles and go for big plays. You saw in the Michigan game and they've done that all year. They're not so much a vertical threat, but uh, Johnston can do that with his size and outside play. But with Duggan, again, he makes more plays with his legs. For UGA, it's I'm curious to see how they approach this. I do you what I would do, and hopefully our outside linebackers are healthy. We, we're kind of banged up right now, but Chaz Chambliss, Marvin Jones Jr., Robert Beal are going to be huge for us. They have to rush. Now we got to just we got to uh, Ohio State's quarterback Stroud several times. We sacked him four times, but if we would have sacked him every time that we the other times that we missed the sacks, we could have ended that game long ago. So we're gonna have to rush and contain, but with discipline. Jalen Carter is gonna do his thing, but the outside guys, especially the young guys, are gonna have to break down when they get back to the quarterback, not get outflanked because Max Duggan will hurt you with his feet. I'd much rather him throw the ball and show us that he can kill us downfield and read defenses and all that stuff versus break contain and just take off down the field. That's where he's most dangerous. Their offense is just as much balanced as it is uh, passing. They're 25th in the nation passing and 25th in the run game. So it's 50, 50. So if we can eliminate one and make them do the other, which they're almost elite, but not so much elite that bodes well for us, but we're going to have to take something away. So it's going to be, it's going to be a chess match, but the outside linebackers for us and the defensive end, this is especially since it's a hybrid type of thing that we do are going to be crucial for this game. But overall, I think our depth is the reason that we get separation from TCU. So I don't know where, I don't know if it's in the secondary, the linebackers or D line or the offensive line, but our depth I think should carry us to the finish line. Because at the end of the season, there are injuries. There's people that get tired. Does TCU have the roster to hang with Georgia for four quarters? That that remains to be seen, and that's where I'm hanging my hat outside of all the things that we talked about, offense, defense. Yeah, I like that, too. I think that you're right. I think depth is a huge thing, and I think that Georgia overall just needs to you know take, take advantage where they have an advantage, and that is in their offensive and defensive line. Like, that has to be – if Georgia wins this game like they should, it's because those position groups did what they needed to. Like if you let it be a seven on seven type of matchup type of affair, then you're, you're asking for a beautiful Cinderella quote unquote story when TC wins. Okay. You don't want to, you don't want to put them in the position to do that. You want us to, to at least get, if we're getting beat, it needs to be beat on our own terms. All right. We got, uh, you know, a, a great offensive line, a great defensive line, you know, that, but at the end of the day, Max Duggan, he's a real dude. Like, just so y'all don't know, just in case you don't know, 
he was a uh, finalist in the state track meet in Iowa. Like Iowa's track is not as competitive as some of the other states, but overall, I mean, he's like a historic runner. He's like a top 50 of all time. Like his, his times on in track, you know, were good enough to, you know, make, make you have a throw a red flag. If you're a defensive coordinator, you got to respect his feet. If anything, he's more dangerous than Stetson and, you know, he, there's a reason he was the debut O'Brien winner, good, or, or given to the best quarterback in the in the country. His ability to lead comeback drives shows that he's not playing around. He's not giving up. He's tough, and he will lower his shoulder and he head. Really he really will. He plays yeah. like, you know, like if uh, if if Sam Ellinger was like an 84 on. There you go. Overall, he's like a 94. There you but go. The same kind of style. He he's a gunslinger. Uh, through and through and you know he plays hard-nosed football so we we can't underestimate him and overall we just we have to just make him uncomfortable yeah we gotta make him uncomfortable can't make it easy for him and you know the offense really needs to uh take what the what the defense gives them there's going to be a little bit more room to run and one thing that Michigan did not do is keep pounding the rock and after they got behind now they're playing catch-up ball with a young quarterback playing into TCU's strength, which is plays on the ball with a great secondary. So you don't want to be in that kind of position where you're playing from behind, playing into TCU's strength, where they actually do have good matchups. So overall, Georgia doesn't need another as, – as great as it was, as great as it was to bring in the new year with a victory for Georgia and as exciting and beautiful as that game is, uh, Georgia is going to do much better off if they play a little bit more hard-nosed, practical patient football i think going into this game do not give stetson bennett the ball and tell him you know give us you know 15 15 point plays in a row give us two 15 point plays you know we don't want him in that mindset i think stetson when he's at his best he's playing practical he's he's taking what the defense gives him and you know he's just surveying the field stetson at his worst he's trying to do it all in one play he's got too much pressure on him and you know he, he's uh you know like it like I said he's trying to get you know more more yards than the field will allow in one play so we just need uh to play into our strengths and man like the opportunity for two national championships with a favorable matchup overall against TCU we got to be we got to be looking forward to it and excited but do not look past TCU they are not a Cinderella story. Uh, the Big 12 was a little off this year, but through and through a very strong league. And, you know, they were one game away from being a clear champion in that. Uh, hats off to them. So, what's up? And 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 simply put, you, you're talking about Max Duggan. Max Duggan is the heart and soul of this team. So, if he starts to find success, the, the sideline, the coaches, the team, the fans are going to get up. If we can take him away, we really will start throwing dirt on their grave very early. But I wanted to mention also, since this is at SoFi in California, that I do expect the California boys to have uh, a big game here on offense um, in particular. TCU's running back who is questionable, like Darnell Kendra Miller, is a great running back. He's had a great year, but he's questionable going into the game. So look for Amari DiMarcado, DiMar yeah, DiMarcado to fill in if he doesn't. And then also, I, I mentioned how the elite tight end play and a heavy, heavy running offense could be the difference. Well, Kendall Milton and Brock Bowers are going home for a national championship opportunity with fans, with friends, with family going to be there in the stands. 
expect Kendall Milton and Brock Bowers to have their hands all over this game. They've both been kind of playing. They've both been playing at a high level, even though Brock Bowers got double teamed a lot versus Ohio State. I don't think TCU is going to be able to do it the same. And then Kendall Milton, I expect him to be the lead back here, but don't sleep on Kenny McIntosh. He's been a PPR back sent from heaven and Todd Munkin's going to have the scheme. So um, with all that being said, I'm looking forward to a great game, not underestimating TCU one bit. Keegan, I want to hear your thoughts. And at this point, I don't care what we win by as long as it's by one, but do you have a score prediction for Georgia to go back-to-back national champions to start 2023? No, I do. So the two things I'm looking for, I'm looking for the score prediction I'm about to give y'all, and I'm looking for TCU to play brazen as their head coach, as fearless as their quarterback, and for them to be a go-for-it on fourth down, all all hands on deck and a lot of trickery. So Absolutely. If Georgia is prepared for that as they should be, I expect a big win. Going for back-to-back national titles, two going for two and 22 as it is trending on Twitter now. As is the trend, yep. So Georgia, we saw them put a 50-piece up in the SEC championship. I like it. I like it twice. I like me some more 50-pieces. <laughs> so I like Georgia putting on 50 to TCU's 30. I like a repeat score. 50-30. Okay, okay. So I think the line right now is UJ's favorite 12.5. I'm not going to go that high scoring. Honestly, I don't want another high scoring end game thriller, but I think this is going to come down to a little bit more a defensive type game, but more so because UGA is going to hold possession a lot longer with the run game. So give me Georgia back-to-back champions with a 38 to 27 score in so far. A couple caveats though. Georgia has to win the turnover battle. And don't forget, Max Duggan did not start the year as the starting quarterback at TCU. So watch out for a backup quarterback to enter this game and have some effect. That's just a wild card. I'm just throwing that out there, but heads up for that. But ultimately, I I think Kirby and company are prepared, and it's going to be another chopping wood type of game. Whatever message that he has, I can't wait to see the UJ inside access to like what's the message for this game. But simply put, I do think we're better than this team. But if we do, if we play our best game, which we didn't do last week, I like the dogs going back to back. I love it, bro. As long as they don't bring in two Tagovailoa. Tag you know what I mean? <laughs> Jalen Hurts off the bench. Like, think about that now. Like, yeah, please. Nice. Just just, just uh, leave him in Philly and uh, Miami. Jalen Hurts <laughs> led me led me to my one of my, what, the second championship that I've had in, in fantasy. So shout out to that. So hopefully they don't have anybody <laughs> like that doing it. But. Uh, guys, it's it's been a great year. It's it's gone by so fast, but uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And all these other teams that are hating on UJ right now would love to be in our position. So let them hate because they want to be us right now. We're entering into this, as you call Keegan, multiple shots during the next five to ten years. And here we are going for number two in two years. I'm breaking open my Coke if we win. And that we bought those Cokes, how, what, a few months ago? Like, it seems surreal, but... Enjoy it, man. This is uh, it's been a blast and been cue, a hell of a season. Cue the uh, Eminem song "Lose Yourself" because right. you don't you don't get many many shots like this. So we got to take advantage. And then back to back by Drake. I mean, it's just it writes itself. 
I mean, it writes it. Play, playlist, playlist on the OT Dubs, y'all. So <laughs> there's going to be a victory playlist if there's a, a victory Monday. So we got to we got to consider that. But, Love yeah. it, and it actually worked out. This is episode. This is going to be episode 99, guys. So the next podcast that we do, win or lose, will be episode 100. So can't wait to get you guys on that and really hope to celebrate that milestone, and then the milestone that the UJ Bulldogs are about to um, accomplish after okay. Monday. Come into that. Love Go it. dogs and uh, y'all have fun, man. I, I don't know. I hope I hope we have a good show. And I know they said there's not going to be much tailgating at SoFi, which is so lame. But uh, hey, dogs show out regardless. The energy is going to be good regardless. If y'all go, be safe out there because I, I heard that's a part of the issue. But we'll we'll see how it goes. I know dog fans are going to be out there with their drinks anyways. But Keegan, I uh, really appreciate you making the time. Dog Nation, I appreciate y'all on this journey with us, and uh, can't wait to celebrate on monday and as always guys you know what it is off the leash off the leash i do it for the dogs <laughs>